0: I'm sharing with you this morning the title, Discovering the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this is part three of our series that we are busy with. Next week, I will share with you, Lord willing, part four, and then we will wrap it up. And I don't make apologies for taking time to go through the gifts. You could arguably give a quick little sermon of all nine gifts just, you know, in one message. But I wonder, after that, how much actually is left residing in people? And so I felt it's necessary, let's not rush it, let's focus, let's learn, let's discover. I believe for many people, they have very little knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit, and for many people, they are hearing this literally for the first time, and God wants to awaken something within them, and we trust that He will do that. Please turn so long to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll get there in a moment's time. Now. In part one and part two, we considered the first four of nine gifts of the Spirit, and today we will explore a further two gifts. So let's once again look at the well-known passage, probably the most well-known passage concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Follow with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1 through to 11. It is on your screen for those of you that don't have Bibles with you. So, it's the Apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Just stop there for a moment. Maybe if the Apostle Paul was here today, he would say, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. And as your pastor today, I'm saying to you, according to the Word of God, children of God, we must not be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. We should have a hunger for them. And so God is stirring this within the context of our congregation, but I want to ask that in your heart you get it that you grab a hold of it in the sense that you say, well, I will desire the gifts, I will be hungry, and more than that, I will expect God to begin to use me to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul is just saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, I just wanna say this, that when the gifts are manifested, it is the very Spirit of God being manifested. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And here in verse eight, we begin with listing all the gifts. For to one is given the word of knowledge, sorry, word of wisdom, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge, through the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings, by the same Spirit. Now we come to the two for today. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, The discerning of spirits, to another, different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, all these different gifts, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And we say, Thank you, God, for your word. The Lord bless the reading of His holy word. And now let's get into these two gifts of the Spirit for today. Which brings me to point number one. Each point of these two is a gift of the Spirit. Number one, the gift of the working of miracles. I'd like you to say this out aloud with me, here we go. The gift of the working of miracles. Again, one more time. The gift of the working of miracles. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. I want you to know this and understand what is going on. Now, I'm gonna spend more time, the majority of time, on this gift, because I feel that it uh, is something that we greatly need to learn about. So in terms of this gift of the working of miracles, this is one of the most interesting and exciting gifts of the Spirit. This is a gift that displays God's power. It displays God's magnificence. It displays God's splendor. This gift also stirs faith within God's people. And in addition to that, this also baffles the unbelieving heart. When the unbelieving heart witnesses the gift of the working of miracles, they are baffled. They are confused. Their whole world is shaken because they think, well, maybe there is a God. And maybe my humanistic philosophy is flawed. It baffles the unbelieving heart. So let's look at it. Verse 10, it just says, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, it says, To another, the working of miracles. There it is. Here it is, the fifth gift of nine gifts of the Spirit. Now, the definition of the working of miracles, I've really tried in preparing these messages to find a succinct kind of definition because. I wanna tell you, you start to look at all sorts of theological commentaries and so on, you can end up with definitions that are about three pages long. (laughs) One of the things I love to do with preaching is try to make it simple, try to make it understandable for people. So I've put together a whole bunch of things and, and this is what I would submit to you as the definition of the working of miracles. It is to perform a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature through the power of the Spirit. Let that sink in for a moment. If you're writing it down, that's a good thing to do. To perform a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature through the power of the Spirit. You know, it's as though the natural realm gets interrupted by the power of God through this gift. The natural realm is just carrying on and suddenly, bam, there's an interruption and it's of the power of God through the working of miracles. Think, for example, of Elisha. Elisha was the one that took over from Elijah. And uh, as Elijah was ascending, suddenly his cloak, his mantle, was passed on to Elisha, the next prophet. And so here, Elisha is sitting with this mantle. What does he do? He goes and takes this mantle or this robe, and he strikes the river Jordan, and immediately, this river literally divides, right in front of him. The river divides, and he walks over to the other side. That's what actually took place. Now, it was not the ordinary course of nature, but it was nature being interrupted by the power of God. And what was happening? A miracle was being performed in that situation. Now, I'd like to give you some examples of how the working of miracles can be demonstrated. And in terms of this, I pray that you'd start to see a little bit more of, okay, these are the kinds of things that could happen with the use of this gift. So some examples of how the miracles, working in miracles can be demonstrated. One of them is supernatural multiplication. Please say that, supernatural multiplication. Now when I think of this, I immediately think of Jesus feeding the 5,000. We know the story well. Jesus had been ministering and then it had been been quite intense and then he wanted to go further away to be by himself. The crowds began to follow and eventually Jesus began to minister to these crowds in quite a remote place, getting late in the day and the disciples realized these people are going to have to eat sometime soon and they say to Jesus, please just send them away so that they can go into the nearby villages and buy food And, and Jesus said, no, you feed them. And then they said, well, Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fishes. Seems like there was a little boy who had some lunch there. And so that's all they had. And Jesus said, well, bring them to me. And then what happened? Jesus prayed over that little bit, the five loaves and two fishes. I wanna tell you, don't underestimate what can happen if you will give your little bit into the master's hands in faith. Don't underestimate what God can do in that situation. In your mind, you say it's too small, but you gotta see things from another perspective, the perspective of the great king of heaven, the multiplier. It's not too hard for God to multiply. And so here, Jesus prays over the bread And the fish, and you know what? They all ate and had enough, the Bible says, to the extent that there were 12 baskets left over. What was it? It was the working of miracles that took place in that instance. Now, this reminded me of a story of Uncle Angus Buckham that I heard some years ago and I couldn't remember the details of the story, so I contacted somebody who I know is quite close with Uncle Angus, and I said, listen, please tell me, what was the story? Um, Fill my mind in about this, and there was some food multiplied or something. He says, no, he'll ask Uncle Angus, and he'll get Uncle Angus to send me a voice note. So next thing Friday afternoon, I get an an Angus voice note, a voice note from Uncle Angus. He says, hi, John, I remember you. He says, yes, let me tell you this story. And so I received this voice note, and so maybe Uncle Angus is listening to us today, and we celebrate him as a wonderful man of God. God has used him mildly in the country. And so I'm going to tell you this story, uh, hopefully I can get it right. And it was one of uh, Angus Buckham's early Mighty Men conferences. It took place in 2007 on his farm, Shalom Farm, down in the Grayton area. So they were expecting 5,000 men. This was still the early days of the conference when they were in a smaller tent before they went to that really big tent which could seat, I believe, 30,000 people. They were expecting 5,000 men, but get this, 7,400 men arrived for that mighty men conference. Now, they were gonna feed these men Meals were included. Imagine not having enough food to feed 2,400 men. And I've seen some of those men that went to the Mighty Conference, you know, they're pretty big biffles, you know what I mean? Okay, about three of you enjoyed that. And so here, there's a problem. There's not enough for 2,400 men. They do to serve them three meals And so, before the first meal is served over that weekend, there's a word that comes from the kitchen. And the kitchen says, please, Uncle Angus, will you tell the men, please go easy on the food. Dish up small little portions so that everyone can get. What do you think Uncle Angus did? Well, he got up. He was so excited to see all those men that were gathered in that situation. And he said, listen, as you go for supper, eat as much as you like. I think that's when the the, the kitchen staff knees started to have fellowship with one another. But Uncle Angus said, eat as much as you like, and and he prayed over the meal. And you know what? They did eat as much as they like. But listen to this. The food never ran out over that weekend, the whole weekend. The food never ran out. Wow. What is so amazing is that this was the gift of actually the working of miracles in this day and age, in this modern day. It was an absolute miracle. And in the voice note that Uncle Angus sent me, he said, John, I will never forget that day as long as I live. He said these words, it was an absolute miracle. And let me add one more thing to the story, that afterwards, the kitchen, get this, they reported after the weekend, after all the meals had been served, that there were 36 baskets of leftovers and then somebody said how many baskets were left over after Jesus that meal with Jesus it was 12 but there were three meals that were served three times 12 is 36 and so there were 36 baskets left over that sounds like the biblical story The gift of the working of miracles is also for today, child of God. Let faith be stirred in your heart. Another way in which this working of miracles can be demonstrated is this, rebuking opposition to the gospel. Say that, rebuking opposition to the gospel. Now the apostle Paul, he was going around and ministering in Cyprus, on the island of Cyprus. And so he encountered Elemas, Elymas was a sorcerer. He's basically a wicked witch. And Elymas, as Paul is trying to spread the gospel with those that are with him, Elymas was trying to stop and oppose and hinder the gospel being shared. Paul was trying to meet with the governor of the region. And Elymas was trying to stand against that and not make that possible But you know what? It must have gotten to a point of frustration because what happened is Paul spoke up under the power of the Spirit and he spoke blindness over Elymas right there. He said, you will be blind for a season. Immediately, like a mist and darkness came over him, he began to grope around feeling things and saying, somebody lead me. Somebody take me by the hand. Wow. What was it? It was the gift of the working of miracles that took place. And take note that this kind of miracle power is still available for today. Don't think it stopped way back then. It is still available for today. And don't underestimate, folks, how God may choose to silence His adversaries. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ going forward is so important Another example of the working of miracles can be demonstrated by exercising power over the elements. Say that with me, exercising power over the elements. The first story that comes to my mind is Jesus in the storm when he calms the storm. So there he is, he's with his disciples, they're in the boat, and Jesus said, we're going to cross over to the other side. I wanna tell you when God gives you a word over your life, it is finished, it is accomplished. Even though you might meet a storm on the halfway over the lake to get to the other side, if Jesus says you're getting to the other side, you are getting to the other side. No two ways about it. And so here they are, they're busy on the lake and suddenly a fierce storm suddenly comes up. And it begins to go crazy. The, The waves are beating against the boat. The boat is even starting to fill up and the disciples were literally freaked out. Now, if you and I were there, we might have done actually the same. Don't think, oh, those disciples, so unspiritual people. We would have probably done the same, folks. And so they began to freak out and they call upon Jesus and Jesus stands up and he commands the winds and the waves and he says, peace, be still. And immediately, a great calm came, and they marveled. They said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey Him? But you know what? Jesus was performing a miracle. It was the working of miracles. Now, let me tell you that I believe that you can also, in this day and age, experience exercising power over the elements in certain situations where God may want it to happen. I wanna tell you a story, quite interesting, of one day where I saw my dad rebuke a storm. And so what happened is, um, my dad used to love working in his workshop downstairs under the one side of the house. He had a workshop, and uh, in this workshop, he had all his tools and stacks of little bottles with all the little screws and nuts in the right bottles. And, and then he had a whole wall full of tools, and tools were marked out. And the problem with that is, us kids, we would use dad's tools and then he could see that they were gone, you know? So, dads, please don't mark those things for your tools. Otherwise, your kids, eh? <laughs> yeah, let me just tell you one funny little story. One day, my dad's tape measure went missing, okay? And my brother had used his tape measure, I won't mention which brother it was, to protect the identity. And he was playing with the tape measure so much that it broke in half. So he had a great word of wisdom, so he thought that he would plant it in the garden and he dug a hole and he buried the tape measure in the garden, this is my brother. And everything was fine until two years later, my dad decided to plant a tree right at that spot, and he discovered his Stanley five-meter tape measure buried under the ground. Beware. (laughs) Anyhow, so we're working in this workshop. I don't know what we were doing. We were working at the bench, something was in the vise. I think we might have been hacksawing something. And while we're busy, next thing, we start to hear this big noise outside. And so we walk outside, and we look, and there is a massive, fierce hailstorm, like a huge curtain, about two or three kilometers from our house, we're up on the hill, we're looking down, and you could see this, and this is coming towards our house, it is very noisy, you can hear, this is not a rainstorm, this is a severe hailstorm. Next thing what my dad did, he put up his hand and he stuck it out towards those clouds and that rainstorm. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that storm. You will dissipate in Jesus' name. I'm 15 years old next to my dad. My eyes get bigger sources, but I decide I'm just going to zip my lip and be quiet because this is interesting. I want to see what's going to happen. But I tell you what, as surely as I live and breathe, that storm immediately began to dissipate and just stop, 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 stop. It just totally petered out and eventually there was only a spit in a spot that came over us. I knew that God had used my dad to exercise power over the elements in that day. Can we thank the Lord for that? Amen. Amen. Listen to this statement, when a miracle happens, it's like an explosion of God's power. (sighs) Suddenly God's power is manifested. Other ways in which the working of miracles can be demonstrated, well, an example is raising of the dead. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead. Another way could be miraculous transportation. Philip was in one place, suddenly... (whish) Beam me up Scotty, stuff, and he is in another place altogether. Have you ever heard of Philip's transport? <laughs> another example could be the surviving of a snake bite. Yeah, Paul is busy collecting wood. After being shipwrecked onto an island, he's collecting wood. A snake bites him, wraps himself around, and he just shakes it off because under the working of a miracle, he said, you will have no effect over me. And the islanders looking at him, they're expecting him to die any moment. He suffered nothing. What was it? It was the gift of the working of a miracle. Praise God. Now, just something interesting on this point is that some Bible teachers, actually quite a number of Bible teachers suggest that the working of miracles could include under it the casting out of demons. Demons. The deliverance ministry could be included under this, and they give this scripture to back it up. I'll just read it to you. Acts eight verse sixty-seven. It says, "And the multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles." Everybody say miracles. We're talking about the gift of miracles, working of miracles, seeing and hearing the miracles which he did for. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. So, what does this tell us? It tells us that deliverance in this verse is referred to as a miracle. And in the light of that, I believe that the casting out of demons, the deliverance ministry, could certainly be included under the working of miracles. And that's just an interesting thing and also an encouragement to those of you that specially function in the deliverance ministry. All of us can cast out demons. We've all been given authority. But for those who have a particular focus, you could actually be operating In the working of miracles, and not have even realized it. Amazing. I just also want to say this miracles are not the objective. The miracles are not an end in themselves, they are a means to an end. It's important to realize this, and I think of Jesus when he turned the water into wine, he wasn't merely saving the host from embarrassment. He wasn't merely trying to just make sure the party ends well, no. There was a purpose. It wasn't just a miracle for the sake of a miracle. There was a purpose. What was it? So that people would have faith in Jesus. So that people would have faith in God. We don't pursue miracles, folks, for the sake of miracles. Rather, we pursue them so that people will see that God is real and alive and He is living today and He is at work in the nations of the world and in the body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. And so let's never forget that it is God who does the miracles. The one that he chooses to use is simply the vessel. You and I are the vessel, and therefore, because we are the vessel, all the glory goes to God because he is doing the miraculous work. Miracles are manifested for the glory of God. Of God. Say that with me. Miracles are manifested for the glory of God. And I want to say I truly believe that the working of miracles that God wants it to be more prominent in this church. Will you believe with me for it? Will you desire together with me for it? We long to see that operating more prominently in the body of Christ in South Africa. I said one was gonna be a longer point. Now on to point number two, which is a shorter one, the gift of prophecy. Say this aloud with me, the gift of prophecy. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of these gifts. Now this is a gift which is fairly well known in the body of Christ, and maybe as such it requires less explanation, but we still need to touch on it. And in verse 10 it says, to another prophecy, There it is listed in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10 to another prophecy. So here is the sixth gift of the Spirit. This is a very important gift. And as I look at the Scriptures, Paul placed a considerable amount of effort, uh, sorry, of emphasis on this gift of prophecy. Why? Maybe it is because this gift of prophecy is so good and so effective at building up the body of Christ. Whereas a gift of discernment or a, or a word of wisdom might not be as, as good at building up, although it blesses and it definitely builds up. But it seems like prophecy is particularly effective at building up the body of Christ. How many of you agree the body of Christ needs a lot more building up and therefore it needs a lot more of prophecy at work? And it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, Paul says, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. Here's the definition of the gift of prophecy. It is the ability to speak the mind of God to people and situations under the supernatural inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat that. The definition of the gift of prophecy. It is the ability to speak the mind of God to people and situations under the supernatural inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Just a few more clarifications quickly about prophecy in general. Because I also realize that prophecy is often very misunderstood. Prophecy is not the product of our human reasoning. When somebody prophesies over you, they don't share their own thoughts, or at least they shouldn't share their own thoughts. That's where you may have to test the prophecy and spit out the bones and keep the meat of what is really and truly from God. So we don't share our own thoughts when we prophesy. It's supernaturally generated. Something that I've discovered about prophetic ministry is that in particular, it should bring encouragement And it should bring comfort to the people of God. I believe that New Testament prophetic ministry will seldom involve correction and or rebuke. I don't think we should write off the fact that it could involve correction. But for the most part, it's about encouraging and comforting people. And in 1 Corinthians 14 verse three, it says, he who prophesies speaks these three things, edification, edification, Exhortation and comfort. And so that's why it builds up the body of Christ so much. And also prophecy may refer to something that God is going to do in the future in your life. But people have wrongly thought that this is always just speaking about the future. No, prophecy could also include God just giving a message to a congregation which relates to now which relates to God's giving a word of consolation and comfort right now. But yes, it may well speak to refer to the future. And I wanna say this loud and clear. Prophecy will never contradict the word of God. Never, ever. It will always agree with God's word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't get quiet on me, church. Now let me say this. In Joel 2, verse 28, the word of the Lord comes through the prophet Joel. And this is what he says. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now listen to the second part. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Let that sink in for a moment. I get very, let me call it, underwhelmed. I get very underwhelmed when I may speak to a pastor who believes that prophecy is not for today. And I think, come on, the devil is robbing you. This is a prophetic word spoken over this dispensation of time. And it says that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all fresh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So what does that tell me? It says that we should expect prophecy now. We should expect prophecy in 2021, in the church, in our life groups, in our lives, even in our homes. Don't let the devil rob you with some lie that says this stopped in the book of Acts. Rubbish. Sorry, I sound like my dad there. (laughs) Nonsense. It hasn't stopped back then. This is for now. Come on, child of God. Let your heart be stirred for prophecy. Desire prophecy. Desire the gift, but especially that you may prophesy. And so the prophecy prophecy should be active in the church today. I'm very grateful to the Lord. The Lord has often used me in this gift of prophecy. By the grace of God, I give Him all the honor and I give Him all the thanks for that. But let me tell you, I've realized and I've seen that the gift of prophecy can bring so much life (laughs) and it can bring so much blessing. I have seldom ever seen a person discouraged after being prophesied over, it brings life and it brings blessing. Now, there's a prophetic guy that I know of. His name is Sean Bowles. And he said something at a conference I was at at the beginning of last year, which really fascinated me. I can't remember his exact words, but I wrote down kind of what I could remember. And he kind of described described what prophecy is all about. He said, prophecy is all about calling forth God's destiny and purpose for a person's life. I really love that. You call forth what God wants to do in their life and their purpose and destiny. Like, you know you get those photos, you see them in the magazines, on social media before and after. It might be before the person has lost 15 kgs and then afterwards, isn't it amazing? Suddenly they've got makeup and the hair's all nice and the lighting's all right and so on. But yeah, they've lost weight in the meantime. Or an example of the house before and the house afterwards now. I was listening to somebody and they were saying that this before and after picture, when you are prophesying over somebody, it's as though in the spirit, you look at the after picture. And God gives you an impression for that person's life of what the after picture is going to look like. And then you begin to call it out. And you begin to see, I sense that the Lord is bringing great peace. I see that the Lord has just clothed you with a beautiful garment and there is great peace. And I believe that the anxiety that you have in your life will become a thing of the past. God is bringing great peace into your life. Then you also say, I see that the Lord is using you and and you're reading the word, but you're starting to write a book about what God, and what is it? You've seen the end picture and you are calling out that end picture. What a wonderful thing to do. You're just calling forth the plans and the purposes of God. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise for the gift of prophecy. It is for me. It is for you. Desire the gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And as I'm drawing to a close, I want to say this. How does a spiritual believer operate in the gift of prophecy? You firstly, okay, you must be a spirit-filled believer. You love Jesus, you're spirit-filled, you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Five quick things. This is how you operate in the gift of prophecy. Number one, desire the gift of prophecy. Number two, become sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. As a lifestyle, you start to become sensitive to God, more aware of Him. Welcome, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my day. Number three, Ask God to speak to you about somebody. Maybe in your small group, in your life group. Ask him, Lord, would you please speak to me about David? When I go to life group this week, Wednesday, I'm gonna trust you to speak to me about David, one of the members in the life group. That's number three. Then, number four, be receptive to God's spontaneous thoughts that he will place in you. And then number five, Step out in faith and share what you have received from God. And I wanna tell you, if you do that with a sincerity of heart, God will honor your step of faith because it's like stepping out of the boat. And next thing you'll see, you'll share some things. You might not get it all perfect the first time around, but you will be amazed at what God can do in a person's life. And they will be edified and built up as a result of this. I wanna end off with a quote. Kenneth Hagin, also known as Papa Hagin, greatly used of God. And he says the following, this is more generally about the gifts. He says, if a group of believers, now let's imagine that's us as a congregation. Let's imagine that's you as your life group. Listen carefully. If a group of believers begin to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts to be manifested in their midst, the Holy Spirit will manifest Himself. Isn't that beautiful? The Holy Spirit will manifest Himself, and this should stir our hearts to corporately desire the gifts of the Spirit. Would you stand with me as we pray? Let's pray together. How many of you have been blessed by the message this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. We give the Lord honor. Let's just pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And we declare that by the grace of God, we will no longer be people who are ignorant concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Continue to open our hearts, our minds, our spiritual understanding. You said, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us into all truth, and that's our expectation of you. So lead us into the gifts of the Spirit. And I pray in the name of Jesus, that particular gifts that you're especially wanting to use many of your people here in. I pray that those gifts would begin to stir as never before. But we declare that we will be a people of God that lay hold of the gifts of the Spirit. We want the giver and the gifts, Lord. We want to operate in the gifts and the power of God so that your body can be built up, so that your kingdom can be expanded. And so, Lord, we say we love you, Jesus. We love you with all of our hearts. And we bless you for your goodness to us in Jesus' name. And would you give God a big hand of praise and say hallelujah.